Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. You're wondering who I am, machine or mannequin, with parts made in Japan. My heart is human, my blood is boiling, and my brain is IBM. Those lyrics, of course, are from The Sticks, the wildly popular song in the 1980s, Mr. Roboto. And that's exactly what you people think Calvinism is. That man, at the end of the day, is just a robot. But that's not what sovereign election is about. The Bible teaches the compatibility of sovereign election from eternity past and the fact that man makes real human choices. So tonight on Sinners and Saints, as we continue on in our discussion of unconditional election, we're going to answer the objection that if you believe in unconditional election, you believe that man is reduced to a robot. So stay tuned with us tonight on Sinners and Saints. In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church. We're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an edge. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight on Sinners and Saints. We're back covering the topic we've been working with for the last several weeks, TULIP. That is the Calvinistic acronym uh, describing uh, essential component parts of our understanding of the doctrine of salvation. And we're down to you tonight, unconditional election answering objections. And my co-host with me tonight to discuss the topic as usual, Reverend Adam Kalushin from Ontario United Reformed Church, Reverend Moses Jambazian from Pasadena United Reformed Church, and I'm John Sautel, uh, pastor at First United Reformed Church of Chino. And we're going to take on a pretty significant objection here. And we've covered a couple of others uh, in the past shows but tonight is one that I think most people think of when they think of the whole doctrine of election. If I believe that, basically what I'm doing is dehumanizing myself. I'm reducing myself to a level of a robot. I'm just making programmed, predetermined decisions, and therefore, ultimately, my life is meaningless because my decisions aren't real because God foreordained them from eternity past. Is that what Calvinists uh, are trying to say when they uh, explain or hold this doctrine of unconditional election? No, not even close, because this is a problem that people have, is that they decide to apply their human reason with their human limitations to what the Word of God says. God very much teaches us about His great love. And in unconditional election, it is His love that needs to come out. But instead... All they hear is the limitation that they have that if one person does something, another person cannot be held responsible. But God says, no, I uh, execute all things in accordance with my will. And there is the mystery of Scripture that, yes, all humans are responsible moral agents and will be held accountable. Why are these p same people willing to have the mystery of the Trinity, but will not accept the mystery of the sovereign rule of God in the universe and their responsibility. Because the mystery of the Trinity is removed from me and my decisions. It's one thing to let God be this mysterious person who's uh, in dwelling in eternity past and is incomprehensible. But when it, this is about me. That's, that's the whole thing. This is about me as a person, as a human being. And that's more important than uh, 
worrying about who God is and, and his eternal glory and grandeur. The issue here that's so hard to deal with is that people can't help but get over the problem if God is really fully in charge and in control and determining whatever comes to pass. They can't get over the stumbling block that they say this just makes life meaningless. It makes my decisions unreal. Yeah, here's the problem. I mean, people say, look, as I see it, either God is going to be in absolute control of everything and therefore man will have no responsibility in anything that he does, or... Man is going to have to have the final call in everything, and God is going to be, in some sense, limited by man's free will or man's freedom, his decisions. The problem with this kind of thinking is that the Bible sets out a different kind of logic. The Bible doesn't say it's either God's full sovereign control or man's responsibility, but the Bible says God is in absolute control, and in fact, that's what guarantees that every action of mankind is meaningful and will be evaluated by God in the end. But, but hold on with that. You're trying to say that you have these mutually excuse, exclusive, uh, these opposite truths, these tensions being held together in Scripture. Is that is that really the case? Can you make an argument from the Bible that both are fully and completely affirmed, or is there another way to resolve this and you're just taking the easy way out? Well, before we take you to a couple of passages, I want to take issue with the word that you use, John. We do not believe that the Bible teaches opposite truths. We're not saying, for example, that God is sovereign and God is not sovereign. We're not saying that mankind is responsible and he's not responsible. The tension, which is a better word, which you did use, is between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. And these do stretch our thinking, but it is exactly uh, the scriptural teaching that they are compatible. I'll go to the first one, Philippians 2, uh, verses 12 and 13. Paul writes to the church, My beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There Paul gives a command, and the a Christian who hears this command has to take responsibility and be obedient, work out their salvation with fear and with trembling. Verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. Okay, that sounds nice, but it sounds to me just exactly what you said wasn't the case in Scripture. You said it's not the case in Scripture that God is both sovereign and not sovereign at the same time. But it sounds to me, as you read this text, what you're saying is that uh, God is sovereignly working, and yet he's not. That's because you come with the presupposition that human responsibility is not compatible with God's absolute control. That's your problem. See, people think that it just can't be true that I'm responsible if God is in absolute control. But the Bible says the reason, the reason why you are responsible is because God is in absolute control. Now that stretches our mind. That isn't our natural way of thinking, but that is what the scripture teaches. In other words, what I guess what Paul is saying then on, on your argument, I think this is essentially sound, is that because God is in control, man's choices and decisions and actions are meaningful. Therefore, there's no contradiction between the premise that God is in sovereign control and man still makes rational, free choices that are meaningful and responsible. When we come back after the break, we're going to uh, dig through several more texts from Scripture which uh, show these kinds of relationships of the tension between the two, but nonetheless show you that these disposition between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility are completely affirmed by Scripture. So stay tuned with us after the break. You're listening to Sinners and Saints on 99.5 FM, KKLA. 
Hi, this is Reverend John Sautel, pastor of Congregational Life and Outreach at First United Reformed Church of Chino. We are a Protestant, Bible-based, family-oriented church committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are located just off the 60 Freeway at Mountain Avenue in Chino. We worship at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. every Sunday. If you'd like more information about our church, give us a call at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalustian. I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway, go north one block to Philadelphia Street, turn right, and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED. Okay, we're back here on Sinners and Saints. We're continuing to talk about this whole business of unconditional election, and the particular objection is if God is sovereign, uh, man really then is just a robot and can't make any real free choices that are meaningful. And as I said, we're digging through texts of Scripture. And by the way, if you want to learn more about the Reformed faith, not just this issue, but a whole range of issues that pertain to Reformed doctrine, uh, you can call us at 866-99-UNITED. We'd be, free, we'd be happy to give it to you uh, a free copy of the Three Forms of Unity, which is our confessional and doctrinal statement. Or you can check us out on sinnersaint.org. That's sinnersaint.org. But let's come back to the scriptures and show how this position, the Calvinistic position, uh, is, is true and biblical. One of the great texts that is often used for this argument is from the Old Testament, from Genesis chapter 50. This is the conclusion of the story of Joseph where his brothers hated him. They sold him into slavery in Egypt. He rises up to being second in command of Egypt. And there, through his wisdom that God gives him, he is able to store food so that everyone in the area will be saved from the famine that God sends. His brothers, however, are terrified that he is going to have them killed because they sold him into slavery. But Joseph answers the following. Genesis 50, starting at verse 19. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? And as for you, you meant evil against me. God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Here you see this incredible contrast of man's evil will and action. And yet Joseph says, but this was always God's will in order to bring about the present result that you see. And so here you have absolute human responsibility being aside. Their deed is called evil. And yet the result is exactly what God will, showing his sovereign control. There is no way to take away in that passage from the fact that the humans were acting responsibly. You meant it for evil. And those same actions God had planned and was making sure that uh, they were going to happen for a good reason. God meant it for good to bring about salvation of many this day. It's the same actions. The idea of human responsibility and the sovereign control of God coalescing in everything that happens in the world. They're not competing. They happen together. Okay, well, I'm going to pose an objection to you. It sounds like to me, and I'm going to play the role of objector here, but it sounds like to me you're saying ultimately their choice wasn't that meaningful. After all, they were just pawns. They were just doing God's will when they did the evil. So how can it be then that they had a free choice in this matter, and how can they be held morally responsible for that action if they were just doing God's will? 
Right. And again, my response to that would be you're starting with an unbiblical presupposition, which is it just can't be the case that man is truly free and responsible and God is in absolute control. You have to submit your thinking to the scripture on this matter, which says that there is no competition between God's sovereign control and man's responsibility. I am tired of people accusing the Calvinists of be being fatalists or determinists, that's as, as if somehow we teach that people are not responsible. We absolutely believe, and the scripture is very clear, that people make free decisions and they are responsible and that God is working through those free decisions to do his will. Those things work together. They are not contradictory and you've got to submit your own thinking to the scripture. Again, we looked at the one text and we'll look at it again right now. Romans 9, starting at verse 19. You will say to me, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? And then in response, on the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God. This is a thing that we have to remember. We cannot approach what God says and say, if it doesn't make sense to us, we're going to reject it. That's the sin of human arrogance, saying that only what I like and what makes sense to me is right. We have to say, Scripture stands above us. And that's really the beauty of the Reformers, is that they said, what Scripture teaches must be absolutely true. And where Scripture says God is sovereign, He is absolutely sovereign. Where Scripture says man is responsible, we are responsible. And how it resolves itself is a mystery to us, the creature. But nonetheless, it must be true, and we will embrace it. Okay, I think that there's another passage, too, that we can bring in here. I don't think we just have to appeal to mystery, although I do believe at the end of the day it is mysterious, and uh, no one has plumbed the depths of God's mind. That's, that's very clear. His plans and purposes are, are very mysterious to us. But there is a passage in the New Testament which uh, confirms the fact that even though God is sovereign, in appointing the ends, man is still responsible for his choices in actually accomplishing the will of God. And that passage is Acts chapter 2. Uh, Peter says, beginning in verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over... By the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Now, what you see in that passage are the two truths that we're wrestling with here. The, the foreordination or the predetermination of God of all events. But how do you get around the clear teaching of this text of the responsibility that man has for the evil choice in delivering over? He says, you nailed. Is there any way to get around that? Is there any way to read that in such a way that man isn't responsible? No, there isn't. In fact, what's usually done is that the subject isn't brought up in that context among Arminians because they're afraid to address it there. It completely contradicts them. And what you have to do is say, will I make this smooth? Will I make it palatable to man? Or am I just going to accept it as God has written it and see that I am guilty for my sins and yet everything that occurs is ordained by God for his glory and for a good reason. When we are able to submit, that is a sign of our growing sanctification, that God's Spirit is working in us and causing us to believe what he has said, even that which would be impossible to human thought. That would include even the wonderful thing that God saves sinners, that God took on flesh, came into his creation, and died for the sins of his elect. 
that is a wonderful thing, but it honestly is a mystery. And we have to say, it is wonderful that God has done these things as he has revealed them. And we, therefore, out of a response of gratitude, need to submit to it rather than saying what he says in his word. He didn't really mean. And we're trying to make it palatable so that others will find a less threatening God. You know, one of the great things about the Protestant uh, doctrine of sola scriptura is is that God's word is the final authority. And even though we cannot reconcile all the tensions that that appear there on the surface of the text, we know that an infallible, infinitely wise mind stands behind the revelation recorded there. And it's our duty as faithful Christians, faithful interpreters of Scripture, to simply expound and explain and systematize the truth as it's set forth and humbly accept it by faith. When we come back, we're going to look at a couple more texts which deal with this apparently irreconcilable difficulty or tension and show you that the Scriptures clearly place these two truths beside each other, and man must embrace those. Let's come back after the break, and we'll continue the discussion. Reformation Radio, theology with an edge. Come to worship God at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hear the gospel faithfully preached. Rejoice in the God of your salvation. Come and join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. We are located at 226 West Colorado in Arcadia off the Santanita exit of the 210 freeway. Call us at 866-99-UNITED or visit us at urcsocal.org. Hi, this is Pastor Bureau of Grace Evangelical Church in Torrance. We are a new Reformed church serving all of South Bay. As a member of the United Reformed Churches of North America, Grace Evangelical Church emphasizes the preaching of the gospel, weekly administration of the Lord's Supper, catechism of our children, and emphasis on the singing of the Psalms, all in a family-friendly atmosphere. Come, worship with us. You can reach us at area code 310-782-7019. Okay, we're back here after the break tonight. Again, thanks for joining us on Sinners and Saints. We're covering the whole doctrine of unconditional elections and just some typical kinds of responses. And, and, and one of the main responses against uh, sovereign election and salvation and God's sovereignty overall is it just makes man a robot. It makes his choices meaningless because all he's doing is just acting out the part that God assigned him to. And there's no real human choices in that. Yeah, you know what, John? One thing we have to bring up, that whole idea, that whole objection to God's sovereignty, which is often leveled by Arminians, uh, shows their hypocrisy because the Arminian system has the same supposed problem, even though they say they don't have that problem. Because if God, say, in 1924, knew when he looked into the future that when John Sautel was born, that John would freely choose him, or let's say John didn't, John would not freely choose him, and uh, he would walk against his uh, will. When John's actually born in the year 1973, is John really free at that point? To embrace Christ? Well, first I of mean, all, if God knew 50 years ago that John would not embrace Christ, is John really free once he's born to accept him? First of all, I appreciate you taking a couple years off my life and dialing, <laughs> dialing the clock back here a little bit. I, I always wanted to find that fountain of youth anyway, but... Uh, <laughs> No, you're, you're pointing to a fact is that if you take the opposite side in this whole debate, uh, you're still stuck with a problem on the Arminian scheme of trying to, st uh, 
to deal with the biblical passages, which clearly point out the fact God knows what's happening at least. Why does so that, God yeah. know that certainly? And if he knows it a hundred years ago, are you really free to do the opposite once you're born into the world? And this is why some people end up abandoning you know, any classical doctrine of God. They say, well, then I guess I have to believe that God doesn't know everything in the past, and so they even go even further away from Radical the biblical doctrine freedom of God. Has to be, exactly. On both parties, God and mine, is basically the only way you can go on that. So the point is, look, you, the best way to deal with the tension between God's sovereignty and his responsibility is to put, keep the categories straight according to the scriptural view. Okay, I, I've got one other text I wanted to bring in on this, because I think what it does is it shows, again, the compatibility here between uh, the design of the plan of God and yet the necessity and the importance and even the freedom of man's choices in, in serving the Lord. The Apostle Paul receives a, a vision in Acts 18, and we talked about this already under uh, the heading that unconditional election does not uh, restrict or constrain evangelistic fervor or zeal or efforts. But, but the passage also applies here, because God comes to Paul in a vision and says, Don't be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Why should Paul speak, and why should Paul not be silent, and why should Paul persevere in the ministry? Because of what God says in verse 10. For I am with you, no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. You see, God had ordained the number of elect that were in the town of Corinth, and because God had elected and foreordained people in that city, Paul had to go preach in order to accomplish the divine purpose in election. So Paul's actions are completely consistent with the divine sovereignty. In fact, they're necessary. He has to go do this. Oh, but see, you're doing that again, John, though. There you go. I mean, I don't think Paul had any choice. I mean, you know, God is... is, is has his elect people in the city, this is what you Calvinists believe, and Paul really didn't have a choice. But your problem is, you know, all over the Bible we see that man does have a choice. Like John 3.16, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But you talk about God choosing the elect, so man doesn't have a choice. Don't you see, this is the problem with what you guys are saying. Once again, there is no verse in Scripture that says the definition of man is his freedom. What you have done is you have brought in, you have imported this idea that the only way you can understand man is if he is free and unbound and can do absolutely opposite things all the time, even against his nature. But scripture teaches what we have been saying. God is sovereign. He has ordained the ends. He is also ordaining the means, and it is the means that he is commanding us to perform. And where we respond, he has willed that response. Where we rebel, he has willed it for his glory. And we see on that in Romans 9 as well. We believe that mankind does face and make decisions, and they act according to their own will. That will is formed by their nature. And man's free decisions are also part of the sovereign will of God which is working in the world. The free decisions of man and God's sovereign will in all of those decisions are happening all of the time. And they are not a contradiction. They work together. This is the point. The objection about John 3.16 is that, well, this teaches man's freedom, and his he's not bound by God. God merely makes an offer, and if man responds, he will be saved. But keep in mind the context. John is writing and says, It is not by the will of man or the flesh, but of God that one is born from above. And that is clearly the scriptural teaching. 
God has ordained both. He's ordained everything that should come to pass, and he has ordained within the system which he has created and constructed that human choices are free and they are, they are real and they are according to the nature which man has when he makes those choices. Both of these truths are compatible. They are both in Scripture, and to deny that is to impose a logic on Scripture that, which does not come from God. The bottom line is this. God is sovereign, man is responsible, and so choices are real. We want to thank you tonight for joining us on Sinners and Saints. Stay tuned with us next week as we tackle more tough topics from God's Word. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED. Hi there, this is uh, Reverend John Sautel, co-host of Sinners and Saints. Uh, Do you live in the Chino Hills or Diamond Bar area? Well, if you do, I want to extend a very special invitation to you to come join us to study the Word of God. On Tuesday evenings at 7.30 at Chino Hills High School, we're currently studying through the Book of Romans. If you'd like to join us, just give me a call at 909-319-3479. That's 909-319-3479. Or for more information, check us out at allsaintsreform.org. That's allsaintsreform.org.